0: All right, kids, here we go. Next seminar up February 9th through the 11th, then April 12th through the 14th, and June 7th through the 9th. Next coach's workshop is February 3rd on Long Island. This is open to anyone that wants to get better at coaching the barbell lifts geared towards personal trainers, group fitness instructors, that want to get better at coaching strength training using the starting strength methods and principles. There is a discount available for active trainers, so check out the link for details. One spot left at the time of this recording for the Self-Sufficient Lifter Camp on January 13th in Wichita Falls. Plenty of spots for the May 18th Self-Sufficient Lifter Camp in Omaha at Testify Strength and Conditioning. Looks like Lift Shoot Fight is back on the menu, boys. May 18th and 19th in Wichita Falls, covering all of the lifts, basic firearms instruction, and some combatives. Press and Bench Press Camp, Long Island, January 20th. Deadlift and Power Clean Camp in Indianapolis, Starting Strength Indianapolis, that's January 27th. Squat and deadlift camp in Cincinnati at Starting Strength Cincinnati on March 9th. And finally, spots left for our rehab injury and pain management camp. This camp is geared towards dealing with chronic pain and rehabbing injuries using the basic barbell lifts with Will Morris and Nick Delgadillo. That's February 3rd in Chicago at Starting Strength Chicago. Thought about a career change or doing something different? Think about becoming a Starting Strength coach. Plenty of resources available on the coaching development tab at startingstrength.com. Check out the coach development program, potential apprenticeships. And get some of your questions answered. All of that on startingstrength.com. And as usual, folks, remember, jet fuel can't melt steel beams.
1: From the Asgard Company Studios in beautiful Wichita Falls, Texas. From the finest mind in the modern fitness industry. The one true voice in the strength and conditioning profession. The most important podcast on the internet. Ladies and gentlemen, Starting Strength Radio Welcome back to Starting Strength Radio. Once again, it's your favorite time of the week. And, you know, ours too. We have virtually no fun, me and Nick and Rusty. Don't have any fun, you know, during the week except for when we're shooting these podcasts every week. This is uh, it's kind of a high point, don't you think, guys?
0: Absolutely. 100%. I mean,
1: it's just so fulfilling you know
0: i feel fulfilled
1: it's just it's like getting to come finally right coming all the exact thing same thing right exactly the same damn thing right next to it right next to and here i mean it's and you guys (laughs) i don't know what that implies (laughs) so anyway we got a bunch of stuff we're going to talk about today several things you can see on the desk a variety of topics and ideas and things that we're all going to talk about but first first we got to get this shit over with so that we can enjoy the rest of the rest of the, uh, the, the podcast this is like coitus interruptus for us here right and it is a segment that we call comments from from the heaters heaters. and the only reason we do this is because you guys seem to enjoy it and you know we've kind of painted ourselves in a corner here and we've just you know you know what would we do with an extra five minutes anyway right exactly exactly so let's get started today this is with regards to RPE is useless on Starting Strength Radio, a previous episode of some sort. Or that was probably just a clip out of a more important topic. Right. Right. So uh, somebody with a some kind of an Eastern European name that I don't even care to try to pronounce says, So Mr. Ripito recommends using RPE-10 on every set. It's an interesting position. No need to get so worked up about it. <laughs> No, 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 you misunderstand. (laughs) I don't recommend that you use RPE on any set, at any fictional number that you create in the, you know, recesses of your tiny little skull. You know, I I don't recommend that you use RPE because RPE is how you give yourself permission to be a fucking pussy. And that's all there is to it. All right? Now, somebody says, to Will here. He says, optimize your driving position. And this, this guy says, how many phone books are you sitting on? <laughs> <laughs> that, that, <laughs> how did he come up with that? <laughs> he thinks Will's short. Well, he is short. Well, he's not that short. Oh, <laughs> so God I damn it, that was funny. Right? Why is no one from Starting Strength legitimately jacked? valid this is from the scientifically proven thing what was the scientifically proven clip I don't know I don't remember I don't either I mean Will's pretty jacked I mean Will's jacked he's very jacked yeah so there's one and he says so (laughs) so, yeah there's one (laughs) yeah here's some jerk off that says Jacob he's patiently explaining something to Jacob here okay Jacob, it's not a fad. It's a cult. All right. You remember somebody named Jacob calling us a fad?
2: Yeah, yeah. It was a Do video you? from Tampa. Uh, well, no, no, he said he said something about he told his mom that it wasn't a fad. It's,
1: ah. Yeah. I, I don't remember. I am surprised. Here's – this is – age is just a number now this is just recently up Yep. right yeah Monday I am surprised no one in this video is morbidly obese poor guys I don't know man these people are just they're they're in they're just insufferably dense
2: well, they don't get much more clever as a problem,
1: you know? No, this, these really don't ever improve, yeah. do they? Every once in a while, there's a and gem. It's all, I'm pink, or I'm fat, or you're fat, or Rusty's fat, or everybody else is fat, and, yep. you know, all that shit. It's just, you yeah. All right. Now, here's Rip deadlifting 500 on my 60th birthday. And he says, ain't never seen no monk lift like that before. Because I the, got a bald spot. Oh, because of the hair. And he oh, thinks it's, looks it looks like a yarmulke. Got it. Got it. Right. Okay. Okay. All right. Now, here's a gentleman making a uh, demand of our programming. He says, Can we get back to strength? These meandering discussions are not why I mm. subscribed.
0: Of course
1: not. <clears throat> Unsubscribe, cockbite. How about that? We'll talk about what we want to discuss after we get through with comments Comments from from, um, the the heater. For example, you didn't come here to learn anything about British cooking, did you? Well, do you see what I've got on the table here? These are pasties. They're like meat pies they're like folded meat pies you take a piece of flaky crust and you put a mixture of meat and vegetables in this flaky crust and then you fold them over seal the edges and then you bake them in the oven and these beautiful golden works of art come out and this is British food all right, pasties are British food. Pasties are meat pies in British cooking. And and what we decided we were going to do is have a British cooking month. All right, and to make it coincide better with our production schedule, we're going to we're going to start British food month in February. And every week, we're going to have an example of British food in here. Now, this is not something that you're going to be interested in watching. So go away, all right? But there are other people that have got more broadened horizons than you have. And understand that, uh, you know, training's important, but so is the rest of your fucking life. Well, maybe not to you. Maybe not to you. How How are the pies, boys? They're delicious. Did you already eat them all? I'm um, mostly done.
2: Almost done. <clears throat> British food gets a bad reputation.
1: You British know, for, food gets a horrible reputation as boring or something. As 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 opposed to what? The French. <laughs> yes. The okay. goddamn French. The Italians. Italian food. I mean, pretty pretty my good. God. <laughs> so far,
2: sounds French food, Italian food sounds amazing. Pretty good. All right,
1: you know what? For, you know what British food is. British food is roast beef. Medium rare roast beef, potatoes and carrots, and brown gravy. Now doesn't that sound awful? I mean, doesn't that make you just want rich? <laughs> right? Medium rare roast beef sliced in on the plate.
2: Fish and chips are good too.
1: With uh, yeah, with pota- roast potatoes and carrots. maybe some maybe some roast leeks, which are like potatoey, starchy onions uh or some parsnips which are you know anemic carrots basically and uh turnips rutabagas you know and i it, i think that we probably will include scottish food in this in this discussion as well and we will have haggis teddies and neeps all right now haggis is a is a type of what is called a pudding and a, a pudding not in the you know the, the put sense of chocolate pudding like the you know you children understand it but the, the pudding is a uh, is a dish made of uh, meat of some, some type and grain of some type that is that is cooked together and served as a as a as a solid thing you know you tie it up in cheesecloth and boil it or there's a hundred ways to make a pudding and a pudding is is uh, is a British dish and it's been around for hundreds of years and haggis is a type of pudding haggis has uh, mutton and mutton liver maybe mutton heart and oatmeal and onions and a little bit of cayenne pepper in it and it is served with mashed potatoes and turnips or rutabagas they're mashed together and it's called tatties and neeps and i can hear you now going haggis oh god i've heard on television that it's gross (laughs) have you ever had it shut the fuck up don't be yelling about things you have never tried because it's absolutely delicious you put brown gravy on that and you just it's just almighty it's good so we're going to have some of that we're going to have all kind of different things we're going to and this is an opportunity for you to submit to us your favorite british food recipes and i'm going to put a thread on my q and a or maybe I put it on the general Q and A. Where do you think I ought to put the thread? Um, yours. Put it on mine. You think? Mm-hmm. All right. We'll put a thread on mine about British food, your recipes, <coughs> and you can submit them there. And if we like them, we'll make one up. Right. So that'll start in February. All right. And uh, in the meantime, look at these beautiful tasty little things here sitting on the table and understand how good this is going to be all right how is it pretty good or what pretty good we ate all of it oh it's all gone yeah well aside from what's on the desk you guys are pigs though Yes. But even a pig can <laughs> have you under, seen yourself eat? knows when. Do what? <laughs> have you seen yourself eat before? <laughs> yeah. I have. I, I, that's why that was funny. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, pot calling the kettle black. Oh, yeah. Pot calling the kettle the pig. <laughs> okay. No, they were delicious. Well good. Now on to today's topic. I was looking around in my office the other day where I've got all kinds of junk stacked up from years and years and years and years of having done this, and I came across a collection of muscle magazines from the 70s and 80s that I have had for years and years and years. And we've got a bunch of them here today, and we're going to kind of look through them together, and then we're going to to talk about that. Now, uh, these muscle magazines were... Here's a good example. This is a 1978 copy, a December 78 copy of Joe Weider's Muscle Builder and Power. That's super cool. Now, this was a... uh, this is the premier publication, the flagship publication of Joe Weeder's organization. All right. And, you know, this was far from the only muscle magazine available. We're gonna look through some of these things here. And we're gonna we're gonna see some patterns emerge. And the reason I think this is important is because these publications were at the time in the late 70s, early 80s, the only method of communication that people in the physical culture business had with each other. And they largely controlled the thinking because they were the only source of information about what people did in the gym. They were the only source of information. And if Weider's Magazine, if Muscle had an article about it, then when you went to the store to buy this month's copy of the magazine and you read that, you went out in the gym and did it because you didn't know any better. And there wasn't anybody telling you any different. So these things were hugely influential in, uh, in people, uh, you know, in their, in their teens and 20s even in their thirties at the time. And, uh, they, they largely governed what went on in the gym. Now I want you to think about this. All right. If you started training like I did when you were in your late teens, early twenties, and this kind of thing was what you started training with and what had shaped your original assumptions about what you were supposed to do in the gym think about the lasting effect that that would have had on what you did all right you you don't even know why you think about some of the things you think about when when you're you're talking about training because you you don't remember where you got this idea because it's it's baked into your dna at this point and a bunch of it is wrong
2: you know and it wasn't just it wasn't very just, wrong it wasn't just your
0: time it was even mine time because the internet wasn't what it was when i graduated high school oh no and, no, you, and it you was you the had, same thing i got i picked up uh men's health or muscle and fitness and then i found a workout and said that's what i'm doing today that's what
1: i'm gonna do i mean what else am i gonna do mm-hmm. i have gotta try something different because i'm stuck Mm -hmm. or i'm bored or i it's not this other shit isn't fun anymore and uh so you you largely did the same thing but this is where it came from yeah this is where it came from some of these are very old magazines i've got and the photography in them was good there were several photographers that were working at the time that were turning in hundreds hundreds of pictures every month to uh the editorial staff of the magazines who would then decide to put them you know to print them in the magazine for the next month's issue and the pictures the pictures that were burned into your into your head I, i this it has been quite literally 30 35 years since i've watched Or I'm sorry, since I've looked at any of these magazines at all. I just dragged these out from within a pile of other stuff in my office. And I didn't have as many of them as I thought I did, honestly. But I did pull a bunch of these things out. And I, God damn it, if I don't remember the pictures. I opened the magazine up, and I remember looking at this picture of Mike Mincer from... All those years ago, it burned into my head. You know, this is <clears throat> there's not so much Arnold in these things anymore because he had stopped, pretty much stopped being the the star of Weeder. Maybe he and Joe got in a row or something. I don't have any idea about all that shit, but I do know there was a bunch of personal stuff going on at the time. Uh, but there were there were basically uh muscle magazines and that's about all as far as learning about what to do in the gym that's how important these damn things were and if you're my age or you're 50 or you're older than me or you're rusty's age for that matter these things have shaped your opinions about what to do in the gym, and we're going to talk about all of that stuff.
2: A thing that people forget in my my generation, I think, especially is you know if you're on if you're 35 or older, there was a period. Uh, well, not there was a period. The, the way you got information for your hobby, whether it was lifting or or any anything, whatever your hobby was, was through a, ma- a magazine subscription. Model right. airplanes. Yeah, it was a magazine mm-hmm. subscription you know, right? because there was no YouTube. magazines <clears> were
1: the source <throat> of specialty information all over the culture yep. you know there was a magazine about everything right everybody remembers uh flower arranging had five or six magazines yep. you well, know you woodworking remember every, leather working
2: you remember every oh. grocery store had a massive mm-hmm. like, oh four giant of of
1: magazines yep. yes <clears throat> uh, oh, that a big
2: wall full of magazines doesn't really exist anymore it, except for at the uh, airport you know mm-hmm. um so anyway you any information that you got was, was going to be from a magazine or from word of mouth. So yeah. that's, uh, And these things happened to be <clears throat> in the magazine aisle at the grocery store.
1: Like, these they were things were there. on. Uh, the, that, I don't know how they did this, but somehow they got pictures of muscular, nearly naked men at the checkout stand right. of every major supermarket in the United States.
0: I worked at a grocery store,
2: and I never miss getting a, a men's health magazine never missed one
1: yeah men's health was kind of a late comer mm-hmm. right men's fitness men's health we're all presaged by this this we just called this muscle all right it's Joe Weider's muscle magazine and it's it's full title changed every three or four years this one is was during the age when this was muscle builder in power all right now there's there's nothing about power in this magazine it's not even defined here and that was the name of the magazine and on the cover was a selection of the stuff that you were going to buy the magazine to read about this month and uh There were, there were several of these magazines. Now, I've got a collection of stuff here, of muscle of the Weeder magazines from the late 70s, early 80s. There's some interesting patterns involved in that. Now, here is it in counterpoint to the Weeder organization was Hoffman's organization. York Barbell was owned by Bob Hoffman. And he published two magazines. For a very long time, he might have published three. I don't remember. But the primary two magazines that he published were Strength and Health, like you see right here. Strength and Health. (coughs) Strength and Health was – they both covered a little bit of bodybuilding. But Strength and Health – was the first magazine, and it, they started publishing that back in the 30s, I believe. And they were primarily concerned in terms of their lifting stuff with, with Olympic weightlifting. So all of the Olympic weightlifting meet results, especially at the national and world levels, appeared in Strength and Health. And Strength and Health was, uh, was informative to a certain extent about what we were concerned about. The other one? As I mentioned, muscular development may still be in publication. Is that are they still making that thing? I've
2: never seen. I'm it. so
1: detached from this now. I can't. <clears throat> I can't tell you what they're doing. Uh, but I hadn't seen a modern muscle magazine. I hadn't seen a muscle magazine in the store in twenty years. I have no idea what's going on with them now. If they're still killing trees for these things or not. So. Muscular Development and Strength and Health were the York Barbell Publications. Uh, my old coach Bill Starr was on that on the on the editorial staff for years up there, and uh, my friend Tommy Suggs ran the operation for quite some time, and uh, and uh, this this was tremendously influential. Uh, all throughout the ranks of what we do now back then nobody much trained with barbells or weights of any kind because it wasn't popular then it is popular now most people have a gym membership someplace and but at the time it was it was it was a fringe activity so it wasn't it didn't carry near the social relevance that it does today but To the extent that it was represented to the public, this is what form it took. was was these magazines. And the the weeder magazines, I've shown you that first one. I've got several from a long time ago. This is uh, the March 1980 edition of Muscle. At this point, They had taken muscle builder and power out of the name of the magazine. It was just called muscle. And here in January of 1981, they had started calling it muscle and fitness. And if it's in publication now, um, it's probably still called muscle and fitness because they wanted the title to appeal to a broader audience than, than just muscle. Right. So this is what it looked like, and it was a lot of times a hodgepodge of contest photos and stuff from inside the magazine that they would they would show you what you're buying essentially before you bought it. And here's one from February of 81, and look, they've moved muscle and fitness to the, to the top of the, the page there. Muscle and fitness. This is a collector's edition.
0: Nope. <laughs>
2: It must little be worth did money I, I know must be worth money now <laughs> you know yeah
1: it's probably worth about three dollars <laughs> and uh oh lord rachel McLish is on the cover of this she was so pretty god there was a bunch of pretty girls involved in this nonsense back then so that's the that's the um the weeder side of the publication weeder controlled bodybuilding at the time that bodybuild professional bodybuilding was a was a construct of uh the weeder organization they controlled the ifbb which sponsored the mr olympia which continues to this day to be the most prestigious bodybuilding contest in the world and um the the repeat winners of the of the Olympia, you guys know the names of these guys. And uh, they're household words among those of us that lift weights, even though we don't do bodybuilding. There were some other magazines that were popular as well. Now, the most informative magazine in terms of just words of information was this thing here called Iron Man. Iron Man was owned by the Perry and Mabel Raider uh, up in Nebraska or someplace. And they published this magazine every month and it was just nothing but one article after another. The photography was minimal. It was good, but it was the whole thing was black and white. Right? There wasn't any color photography, so it was a cheaper magazine for them to publish. And you got to see you know, the bodybuilders that were featured in the articles and stuff, but they had articles about all kinds of different things that the other magazines would not cover. Uh, Iron Man, so just reading down the table of contents of the June July issue of 1985, uh, Is Your Training Realistic by Bradley J. Steiner? Now, Bradley J. Steiner. And a guy by the name of Stuart McRobert were my favorite authors back then because they were talking about common-sense heavy training and when nobody else was. These two guys were pretty much exclusive to Iron Man magazine, and they were very, very important sources of information uh, about what later became, in a much-changed-up version, our method starting strength. Uh, they advocated short, intense, multi-joint exercises with heavy weights. Their sets and reps were all screwed up, but other than that, these guys were on the money. Uh, the Power Rack and Body Weight Gains by Anthony Dottillo, he was another important article back then. Here's an article by Starr called an aerobic program. Bill Starr wrote that. He wrote for them every other month. Uh, Albert Beckles, eighth, eighth wonder of the world. Uh, he was an older bodybuilder at the time. And uh, was still, you know, I mean, he was in his 50s, I think. And he was, he was an amazing physical specimen. Uh, Vince Gironda, who uh, catered to a certain niche, of bodybuilders in california uh <laughs> had a an article on these things vince wanted you to eat a whole bunch of raw eggs mm. he wanted you to eat three dozen eggs a day i don't know maybe he wanted you to cook them i can't remember but uh, eating three dozen raw eggs a day is a real dumb idea you know <laughs> you can't digest a raw egg white right And they just ran right through you. So maybe he have wanted them hard-boiled, soft-boiled or something like that, I can't remember. But anyway, Gerardo was kind of important in one little tiny corner of the bodybuilding business. Uh, Herb Glossbrenner, the guy that used to run all the statistics over at Powerlifting USA had a column, World Weightlifting Review here. So. Iron Man covered all kinds of things. They covered powerlifting and Olympic lifting and bodybuilding. And and you'll notice that a lot of these pictures in these magazines, um, in some of the magazines, were color. But that the, the further back you go, the more black and white pictures in the magazines you see. Now, black and white is... It's cheaper to publish than, than four-color pictures on glossy paper. And for bodybuilding shots, black and white looks fine. I don't have a problem with looking at bodybuilding shit photographed in black and white. The contrast is what you're looking for anyway. Now, here in this muscle and fitness, and this is the March 1980 version of Joe Weider's Muscle. It was called Muscle at the time. And on the cover is Lou Ferrigno and the beautiful Lisa Lyons. You can see these guys on the cover. Lisa was a gorgeous woman. Turn it more. Yeah. Early female bodybuilder. And uh, I mean look at the gal. God almighty. She's a beautiful woman. And uh and if you'll look here, this is an interesting shot. Now look at this. It's the guy everybody thinks is you. This is the <laughs> guy everybody somehow thinks is me, and I'm I'm flattered by that. <laughs> I'm flattered by that, but this is this is not me, <laughs> boys and girls. This it's is weird. not me. I was never anywhere. Approximately even <laughs> half this guy's strength. If I if I still type in uh, Mark Ripto in yeah, Google and go to the images, oh, that's the first it's one I yep. This <laughs> this is a picture of Roger E. Step. Now Roger E. Step uh, didn't get to be very old. Roger E. Step was a nuclear physicist, and he worked with radioactivity in the lab all the time and he died of cancer a oh, long shit. long time ago i did not know that he didn't get to be very old but roger eastep was not only brilliant he was a strong motherfucker. <laughs> and and look at this this is shameless right for the weeder organization to use roger eastep's picture and not say that it's roger eastep this, this is inexcusable this is a hell of a picture isn't it Mm -hmm. this is a beautiful picture of Estep pulling a big giant heavy ass deadlift and uh, you know he he didn't deserve that you know that picture's never been associated with Roger Estep and it should have been I'm the last person on the surface of the planet that that picture should be associated with and it's embarrassing to me that people would do that. Now, there were a whole bunch of other little also ran publications at the time. And here is a good example of one of them. And it's called Muscle Mag International. All right. And they were just kind of, they're fairly irrelevant. They would reprint stuff from, you know, they'd buy pictures from. All of the same photographers that were selling photos to the other magazines and run them and come up with some bullshit stories that go along with them and stuff, and uh, they were kind of the 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 B side magazines, find in the in the supermarket shelves beside the other ones. All right, they're, they they're not terribly important in terms of our discussion. Uh, in terms of our discussion today, the most important ones are the weeder publications because more people read those than any of the other things at the time. Now, Strength and Health started a long time ago. Strength and Health has been around or had been around for a long period of time. Are they still in existence?
2: No, I don't think so. <clears throat>
1: Actually, I think they ceased Muscular development is. I think Strength and Health ceased publication about 20 years ago. Because I seem to remember there being some kind of a question about us using a picture out of, out of strength and health, and we had inquired about whether the copyright was still in effect for it, and I don't remember the details of that, of that discussion, but I think we ended up not using the picture. So I do remember that strength and health went out of print. 1986
2: is what Wikipedia says. Eighty-six.
1: This is the last printing, final issue. <laughs> so, Weeder wins by default, doesn't he? Strength and Health was gone almost forty years ago. Yep. And Weeder still in publication. Now Weeder developed a whole well, bunch has a of, whole bunch a, of them, right? A Whole bunch of publications after <clears throat> Muscle and Fitness right. or Muscle. He had Muscle and Fitness. He had Flex, which was the hardcore bodybuilding quote unquote magazine he had men's fitness that was a weeder publication men's health i don't know who published that and i may have those two backwards honestly i don't remember but uh one of them was a was a men's publication for basically skinny gay guys for uh (laughs) by the weeder organization they had a women's magazine women's fitness i think they called that and they ran bullshit articles about stretching and toning and firming and shit all you know and and uh occasionally they'd cover women's power lifting kind of as a you know bone to throw at to serious people but it was uh you know there's a whole bunch of magazines and every one of these things every one of these things basically had exactly the same problem and i'll tell you what this is and this problem persists today it uh it is just the lazy way of thinking about what it is we do in the gym now at starting strength we are concerned with movement patterns we're concerned with normal human movement patterns with squatting down and standing back up and with picking stuff up off the floor and with pushing things up over the head, pushing things away from you, pulling things toward you, those, these kinds of throwing things, these are the primary movement patterns that we are concerned with. And if we get those strong, then we get you strong because that's how you express your strength, your ability to produce force against an external resistance is expressed in those Fundamental human movement patterns. So if we strengthen them, the movement pattern, then we strengthen the human. All right? The idea of body parts came from here, body part thinking came from these magazines. All right, and it persists today. It persists today among people that don't even know where it came from. Instruction. The 60-inch Chest Barrier by Lou Ferrigno. Posing My Way by Ed Corney, who was a, you know, mid-level bodybuilder, but he was an older guy. Looked pretty good. But had a, a, a way of posing that nobody else did. Posing is when you show, is when men show other men their muscles. Now that makes me uncomfortable. I don't know about you, but that's always made me uncomfortable. And I I I don't know what you'd call that discomfort. There's probably a word for it that other people besides me would use. All right now, no frills calf workout. It's right? important because your calves are separate yeah. from everything else, right? But abdominal training by Dennis Tenorino. Now these guys didn't write these articles, it's of course not. <clears throat> you know they, they didn't asked write a few these questions articles,
2: and then they extrapolated an article. Well,
1: they just you know they had staff writers that wrote all these articles, and they'd hire the guy that and they'd put his pictures on the article
2: the genius the the genius behind this is all is that uh, how do you run out of stuff to talk about
1: you don't you don't
2: because you've got all these exercises you've got all these body parts you've got all these guys who have a specialty you know uh, it's awesome great idea
1: it is brilliant marketing and then the rest of the magazine with very few exceptions the rest of the magazine was ads placed in the magazine by the publisher of the magazine by the Weeder organization selling you his merchandise mm-hmm. his shitty training equipment and belts but primarily supplements yep primarily protein powder and vitamins and all kinds of other things these guys dreamed up to sell to kids that wanted to look like the boys in the magazine right uh Let's see, here is a uh, features, here's a low fat diet from Susan Bressler, cycling the power lifts by George Elder, they paid lip service to the power lifts in the muscle magazines every once in a while. Uh, here's a, a women's section in this month's the January of 81. Uh, intensity training by Betty Weeder, who's Joe's wife, gorgeous model that he hired uh, early in the magazine to do the women's part of the thing. They later got married under some circumstances. Uh, trimming the waist by Mandy Tanny. Uh, you know, the the muscle magazines are are. And still, and, and still persist with the idea that low body fat is a result of your training, when it's in fact a dietary function, almost exclusively a dietary function.
2: I think without even looking or at a,
1: a, and, and not even that, it's 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 the, it's the result of your genetics. A fat guy is never going to be a contest bodybuilder. It doesn't occur. But if you. Uh, If you think that you can use a weeder product to either exercise or supplement your fat off, then you will buy those products. Because you are looking at a magazine full of pictures of guys with low body fat and the magazine is telling you that you too can look this way if you will merely do the following things. You gotta do arms the way these guys do arms. You gotta do chest the way these guys do chest. You gotta train your abs a certain way. You gotta do quads and hamstrings and calves the way these guys train, using their equipment. And if you're bought in, like a lot of us were, this was a brilliant marketing plan for a little tiny niche in the manufacturing business. And I mean this, you know, and and I'm talking to you about this today, and if you're anywhere close to my age and you've been paying attention to this all your life, you know exactly what I'm talking about. All right? I did it. You did it. We all did it. We thought about body parts. And we thought that you could run off a bunch of body fat. While well, at the same time, maintaining muscle mass, which you can't do, you know. And sooner or later, everybody bought into the idea that, well, I want to get this done because I want to look like Robbie Robinson or great Ron Tufel or, you know, the Mincer Brothers or, you know, and I want to look like that. And what I'm doing is not working. So you know what I think I'm going to do? I think I'm going to take some steroids because I've heard that that's what they do. And that is, in fact, what they did. And, you know, it's just the way things are, right?
2: It's funny because without even looking at a modern magazine, we could could reasonably – guess what's in it it's exactly the same it's as it, what's in that plus
1: it's the same thing.
2: well and what you'll have now is just is is uh supplement talk right there'll be way more articles mm-hmm. about supplements
1: the same articles are, are being, being written yep
2: and it serves yeah. the same purpose too it's to sell it's to sell supplements
1: you know and I, you know bill starr is my mentor and good friend and everything but he sold the same arms article about 14 times mm-hmm. to different publications Same exact article, sure. You know, rearrange the words a little bit so it's not a copyright violation. But that's you know, bodybuilding, Mister, exercise and behavior, muscle fiber types. See, muscle and fitness got into this simulation of science about the early '80s, and they started running articles about PhDs that were, you know, probably one-third right about what they're right about and uh they established the weeder research clinic and they would publish articles by mike mincer member the weeder research clinic Clinic. he was just a bodybuilder but you know they'd have somebody that was a probably an ex fizz major, write a piece for him and stuff and pay him as the ghostwriter, put Mincer's name on it and publish it under the Weider Research Clinic. And uh it was uh it was quite a deal. Uh, here's another one Bodybuilding as a science by Bill Dobbins famous writer at the time. Uh, here's a here's an article. I saw these pictures, they're not impressive. Uh, about Walter Mondale's daughter, Eleanor Mondale. She competed in bodybuilding for oh, a little shit. while. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? All right. Bill Pearl showed up all the time. Bill Pearl was an amazing man. He was an amazing. He trained. Uh, he. I can't remember when Bill died, but it was relatively recently, within the past few years. But he was up in his nineties training, and he was an amazing specimen back in the fifties and sixties. He was an amazing guy, big, strong, athletic, superman, and uh, you know people, people probably did well by listening to Bill Pearl about some of this stuff and uh, so that's kind of the that's kind of the story of these magazines now here's the 78 version of the magazine and uh, muscle building instructions this is kind of typical Tufel full supersets arms and joe Weeder, of course wrote that magazine that article uh, and it you look at the article it's just a picture of a guy doing dumbbell curls five or six different ways all right fast slow twitch see we're back into the science here that's arm and tanning uh peak contraction by mike Minzer. all right picture of a guy doing curls all right 10 Reasons Why Robbie Won. That's a That'd be an article about Robbie Robinson's training. Uh, and here's some marketing. Every Bodybuilder a Hero by Armin Tenney. Every Bodybuilder a Hero. And you know who that is? That's you. Because you're a bodybuilder. You know why? Because you have this magazine. And you go to the gym and do dumbbell curls and you're a bodybuilder and uh yeah it's uh I had a lot of friends fascinating patterns here but the, the pattern go jump in if you need i was, I had a lot of friends that were really into
2: muscle magazines and not not a single one that I can think of right now was <laughs> a, a, what you would call a cool stable guy
1: no <laughs> yeah <laughs> no, probably not. So these definitely
2: catered to like a certain a certain it person. To at to least a in my experience, niche you know.
1: people, there's no doubt yeah,
2: about it. Like the dudes who were constantly carrying around, they were skinny mm-hmm. and always at the gym. Oh yeah. And uh Yeah, and no, no, none of, of them some, were jacked. It had some problems. Nobody had nobody it, were jacked. You know,
1: uh, 90% of the guys in 90% of the gyms in the world are the same guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right now. Mhm. In 2023. That's right. That's right. You know, we hear this all the time. You know, what do you guys do for forearms? Who gives a shit what we do for forearms? We, don't, we care about our forearms. We care about our deadlift and our press and our bench and our squat and our cleans and snatches and you know things like that's what we care about. And our forearms just go along for the ride and they grow. Now, in contrast to To this yet and i'm going to come back to this in a minute in contrast to that well when we take a guy in as a member at one of our gyms uh he'll come in and he'll weigh 155 pounds and he's 510 and he's a little skinny little turd right and we have him squat bench press deadlift power clean do some chins do some rows that's all he does he doesn't do any curls he doesn't do anything that doesn't involve a whole bunch of joints operating at the same time because we're training him for strength and strength is increasing the force production within normal human movement patterns And normal human movement patterns never isolate a joint now keep that in mind there's a profound difference in all of this shit and what we do and that is all of this shit is fixated on the appearance of a muscle group that operates a joint and we don't care about that we care about the, the amount of force production uh, within a normal human movement pattern and we train force production in the normal human movement pattern. And guess what happens to all of these muscle groups that these guys are isolating with dumbbells and leg extension machines? They grow. Right? Now, you take that kid that comes into the gym at 5'10", 5'11", weighs 155 pounds, and you get his squat up from 95 pounds for three sets of five, to 315 and you get his deadlift up from 135 to 395 405 and you get his bench press up from 75 pounds to 250 and he gets press up from the empty bar to 175 pounds and in the process of doing that his chins you know stay at about 10, 12, 15 reps while his body weight increased 45, 50 pounds. The question is what happens to his arms during this period of time without doing barbell curls or dumbbell curls or cable curls or any other version of an isolation elbow flexion exercise. Well, his arms grew two and a half, three inches. They went from 14 to 16 and a half, 17, without doing any arms. Arms. Now, this is what we, that's, that's normal. That's what we see all the time. Right? I mean, Nick goes to gyms all over the country because he manages a bunch of training at the gyms for the the starting strength gyms people now what do you
2: see yeah anybody that puts in the work and does it right that's the that's the result
1: they get big arms with that isolating arm. yes yet all of this here is about isolating your arms different ways to isolate your arms because that works with the photography That's what works with the photography. And one of the biggest problems with exercise science, quote, unquote, exercise science now, is they can't get past this idea. They can't get past the idea that they have got to do experiments or studies or whatever they call them On bicep mass and the way they do that is they'll work biceps and they'll measure the the difference in growth between one set of of bicep exercises done for sets of five and another set of bicep exercises done for 12 reps because they cannot divorce themselves From the idea of body parts and body parts are what all of this is about that's the bottom line here you read all of these things all of these magazines and all of the training articles are about body parts what do I do for my calves what do I do for my forearms what do I do for my quads what do I do for my vastest lateralis? How do I train my delts? Well, you train your delts with dumbbell flies, Right? Certainly not with presses. You know, you see, this is just—it's fascinating. This is almost sixty years ago stuff it's getting to be 60 years ago stuff. Well, it's really, it's 50 years ago stuff, right? How, where are we in the, in the timeline here? <laughs> 23, 24, 50 years ago was 74, yep. right? Yep. So well, maybe it's not 60 years. Well, it was, it was 60 years ago. It wasn't articulated because the magazines weren't to the point where they, <coughs> where they were here. In the 60s all right this thing pretty much was the same strength and health was was about the same in this period of time as it was in the 60s because they couldn't couldn't move forward but weeder was brilliant weeder changed the look of his magazine changed the name of it changed the way they did the photography and the layout and kept up with marketing his programs All throughout the late 70s, the 80s, 90s, up to the age of the internet, and he's still kicking everybody else's ass.
2: Yeah, Mickey. Even though he's
1: been dead a while, he's still kicking everybody's ass because he was not afraid to innovate his marketing. Now, his training, on the other hand, is just as shitty as it was back then, you know. What you end up with, and here's the bottom line, if there's a guy on the cover of these magazines, if there's a female on the cover of these magazines, what is the primary factor that put them on the cover of that magazine and put them in all the stories on the inside of the magazine? You know what the primary factor is? Genetics. The primary factor in bodybuilding championship performance is are your muscle bellies the right shape, which is genetic. Is your skin naturally thin? Which is genetic. Do you do you typically not deposit a lot of sub Q fat, which is genetic? I mean, Dorian Yates was a genetic freak. Ronnie Coleman was a genetic freak. Now, both of those guys trained heavy and trained hard, and you can't fault their training. But I know lots of powerlifters that train that heavy that never look like that because they can't because their genetics are not do not predispose them to that appearance. So... These things here were primarily avenues for marketing products sold by the people that advertised in the magazines and usually in the Weeder situation it was Weeders' products. Weeder made a lot of stuff. He was way branched out into, they found read plates, they had bars, they had dumbbells, they had all kind of gimmicks. You know, they used to make a belt that had a little button on the inside of the belt buckle that if you relaxed your belly, it would buzz. That's cool.
0: <laughs> no shit.
1: No shit. They had it. So you'd walk around with your abs tied on. <laughs> I'm not making that up. They actually had that they. And then they, you know, made every type of supplement in the whole damn world. You know, they they'd sell you a can of sugar cut with soy and whey protein and call it weight gain powder. Didn't bother them a bit. It was, you know, and I, you know, that's, yeah, yeah, wasn't that wasn't particular just a weeder. I mean, all the. Companies sold that kind of stuff they all sold the same stuff but you know it's a this was a business and the impressive thing about this business is that 50 years ago these things laying on the desk right here made a big enough impression on lots and lots of people that it still persists to this day. The thinking uh, in terms of body parts instead of movement patterns comes from this right here, comes from these muscle magazines from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. And that's what's fascinating about these things is how effectively they did that, you know? I don't I don't know of a a more effective marketing campaign do you what else has been marketed this effectively to where it's just burned in to your central nervous system that if you want to make your arms big you got to do barbell curls yeah I don't know I can't think of one I'm sure something comes to mind pretty easily Maybe the idea that all bugs are bad and you need to kill them with, with spray, you know. I don't know. I kind of believe that myself. <laughs> I don't like bugs <laughs> either. You know, entomologists would probably disagree with me, but, you know, this, these guys did their job down. These guys did their job. And so, what I want to say to you guys is if you are still laboring under the delusion, that Tim Belknap's thighs look like that because he did leg extensions? I want you to quit thinking like that. And, and, I, and I don't want you to – I want you to understand that Tim Belknap's legs may in fact look like that because he did leg extensions, and that might have contributed uh, somewhat to the appearance of his legs. But the appearance of Tim Belknap's legs is irrelevant to you. It's irrelevant to the vast majority of people. What is relevant is how strong is Tim Belknap. Now, Tim Belknap might have been real strong. And if Tim Belknap was real strong, and I'm sure he was, then the fact that he was strong is far more important to you and I than the way his legs look in a skinny red bikini. All right? Men flexing their muscles for other men to look at, as I said, makes me uncomfortable. Now, I don't know why it makes me... Does it make you comfortable, Nick?
2: I, I don't know how it became a thing. They like how. How did that become a thing that people...
1: Back in the 40s, John Grimmick, back... In, John Grimmick was a, an early bodybuilder. He was, he was an Olympic weightlifter at the time, and long, long time ago, back in the 50s, the, uh, and most people don't know this, the bodybuilding show was what they did after the weightlifting meet was over. The same guys. You couldn't be in the bodybuilding show if you didn't lift in the meat. Now, isn't that fascinating? And John Grimmick was a an amazing physical specimen. Once again, genetics played into the deal. You know, if you were a the physique that 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 produced a champion weightlifter was usually not the physique that produced the champion bodybuilder. There are two different sets of physical characteristics. And in the case of John Grimmick, uh, they coincided. And he was an excellent weightlifter. He's a very strong man, and he was he had a classic physique before the insulin got involved in making muscle mass all right you know i got to meet him one day star and i went over to grimmick's house in pennsylvania and they welcomed us into their house he and his wife welcomed us in our house and we sat down in the living room and chatted had coffee with him fabulous gentleman i actually got to meet john grimmick now I, there aren't a lot of people left did know who john Grimmick was and certainly did not get that got to sit in his living room and drink coffee with him you know i was that was an honor to be in that situation and i happened to you know be fortunate enough to be hanging around with star and that's, that's what we did and it was great it was a great deal so john was early bodybuilder he was back from the day when the bodybuilding contest was held after the weightlifting meet and then it became a separate deal long after that and uh you know those guys look different than the ones they do today obviously things have things have changed you know lots and lots of things have changed that have enabled these guys to to support freaky ass amounts of muscle mass And, uh, you know, it's just, it, it to watch the history of this activity through the years, it, it is fascinating how much it has changed while at the same time has stayed exactly the same. These people are still exactly concerned right. with body parts. They're concerned with their quads and their hammies and their glutes and their calves and their uh lats and their delts and their tries and bys and forearms it, isn't it amazing they're never concerned with their spinal erectors can't see them nobody wants to deadlift didn't coleman have a comment about that one time uh i believe he did something yeah and uh You know, and here, once again, I've been involved in this a very, very long time. Probably longer than most of you guys listening to this have been alive. And uh, these magazines, at one time, were very, very important to me. Because they represented what I did most of the time. I've been lifting weights instead of doing productive things for 48 years. And uh, as I mentioned early in the this was, a, this was the only source of information we had. So we'd go out and we'd buy all of the magazines and read all of them and realize that, you know, this can't all be true. And it caused us to think about it, but not at a terribly important level. And, you know, so we came away with ways we approached our training in the gym. And, you know, here in my dotage, I understand that the vast majority of that shit was done incorrectly, all right? Most of what I trained, most of the ways I trained were done incorrectly. I know that now because I'm fairly intelligent and I learned a long time ago to stop being married to habits. Just because a thing has always been thought about this way and just because a thing has always been done this way doesn't mean it's right, okay? It doesn't mean it's right. Now, you need to listen to everybody, all right? I might be wrong. But when I tell you that almost a half a century of experience with this material... Has taught me some very very important things about how to make progress especially when you're first starting out about how to make progress then you need to listen to what i'm telling you okay strength is the basis of hypertrophy of size the way a muscle grows is by getting stronger because the only way it can get stronger is by getting bigger that's the only mechanism by which a muscle grows in its ability to produce force. So if you ask that muscle on a regular basis to produce more force than it did last time, it will adapt because you have this marvelous tool called DNA that causes your organism and every other organism to adapt to its environment. And if your environment changes so that every other workout, you go up five pounds in your squat, then your muscles will adapt to that by getting bigger it's got nothing to do with with sets of 8 to 12 reps fives work the best for that and the reason we know fives work the best is because we've been doing this a very long time and fives work all right so if you want to take this you know this this All of the mistakes that you're making right now, I already made, all right? I made those same mistakes because of this right here. This is why I made all those mistakes, because this was my source of information. It's the only one I had. But I made the mistakes. I thought to myself at some point after I'd made the mistakes, you know, that didn't work worth a shit. Let me try something else. And by the time I got around to figuring out what actually works pretty well, I was aged out of the window when all of those things would have worked the best. You're still in it. Listen to me. All right? Worry about your strength. If you want to be big and strong and look big and strong, then you need to do what we're telling you to do. If you do not want to be big and strong, then go somewhere else because that's all we're concerned about is getting you big and strong. You want to be big and strong, you lift heavy weights, and you make those weights go up as often as you can. And you don't get concerned about exotic programming, 20-rep bullshit, stuff like that doesn't work. How do I know it doesn't work? Because I did it, and it didn't work. I've done it several times, and it doesn't work. The sets of 20 squatch stuff, super squats, doesn't work. I know it doesn't work because it didn't work for me, and nobody wanted it to work any worse than I did, I promise you. If it was going to work, it would work for me, and it didn't work. And I'm telling you, it never worked for anybody. I trained, and I trained a bunch of people. I've been in this business for a long time, and I've trained a bunch of people. And what works is fives. And five pounds of workout. That's what works. All right, not not eighteen different exercises. But here's where all of that bullshit comes from. Because they had to show you something in the articles that was illustratable by photographs of body parts. So they could sell you the shit they were selling in the magazine. Now, I'm sorry to burst your bubble, but that's all there is to this. Boys and girls, you've been marketed at. I was marketed at. Marketing works. Even if it's bullshit, it works. And these things are marketing. You guys, got anything to add to that? No nope well, am I that good at this <laughs> have I become that good at something here at the end of my life let's not, not get crazy <laughs> <laughs> yeah let's not assume that man those meat pies look good I think I'm going to go have a pasty because I don't care about my abs at this point <laughs> alright well you guys digest that for me, would you? And we will see you next time. Right here, with starting strength. Radio.